Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 9th, 2022. It is currently 8.14 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the very empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And I stress the very empty sanctuary this morning, not because it's more empty than it usually is. It's just because it's going to remain empty all day. Yes, today we're not going to be having in-person services. We have some people out sick. We have at least one person with a confirmed exposure to COVID. So we're going to be a little bit cautious today. So no in-person services today, all live streaming because I've tried to maintain a, a right balance. Hopefully, I've tried to maintain a right balance during the entire pandemic. Yes, on one hand, I have a responsibility to keep the teaching of God's Word going in every way that I can, to have in-person services whenever I can. I have a moral responsibility to do that. At the same time, I believe I have a moral responsibility to ensure that no one is exposed to covid inside this church and that no one is exposed to COVID in this side, inside this church and then spreads it to anyone outside of this church. I don't want people of, of this church spreading and taking COVID to people outside the church. I, I don't want it spreading within the church and I don't want anyone here in the church to spread it anywhere else. And so you have to try to find that balance. Yes, we have a moral responsibility to preach and teach God's word. We have a moral responsibility to be here whenever we possibly can. At the same time, I think you have a moral responsibility to try to protect life, preserve life, and not have a church responsible for the spread of of COVID. In fact, I'll say it this way. I don't want my church spreading Omicron. I don't want my church spreading Omicron. If my church is going to spread something, I want them to be spreading this. Strong's G 2098, Euangelion. I don't want them spreading Omicron. I want them spreading Euangelion. And you probably know what that Greek word is. Euangelion is the Greek word for gospel. I would rather my church be known for spreading the gospel, the euangelion, than Omicron. I don't want them going around spreading Omicron. I want them spreading euangelion. Maybe we should have some sh some shirts made uh, for Christians, right? Spread euangelion, not Omicron, right? Take some responsibility and do what we can. So that's what we're doing today. So it's me. In this empty building throughout the day in front of this microphone doing everything I can to preach, teach, do everything I can to, to ensure that people are being fed the word of God as much as possible. I think whenever, whenever you can't have in-person services for any reason, well then increase the amount of teaching. Don't allow that to decrease the amount of teaching, increase the amount of teaching using technology. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So feel free to join us throughout all of this morning into the early afternoon. And then I'll probably take a break and then come back in the later afternoon and go into the early evening. That is the plan as of right now, but we will see. I know definitely I'm here right now, so I'm going to do as much as I can right now and hopefully it will benefit someone. All right, so. It's, it's early Sunday morning, 
There's no one here except my good friend, Thomas Akempis. So, so I guess in, in a sense, the, the sanctuary is not completely empty because I have my good friend right here next to me, Thomas Akempis. Now, if you've been listening, you know that Thomas Akempis lived over 500 years ago. So he's not obviously here physically, but I have his writings right here in the book, The Imitation of Christ, which we have been talking about and studying and reading now for well over a year. It feels like two years. I don't even know when the first uh, episode we aired uh, dealing with the imitation of Christ. It, it, it may it may be like it we're in year number two. I can't even remember. I'll have to look at some point. But The Imitation of Christ, very famous book within uh, Christian history. Again, written over 500 years ago. Uh, and we've been working our way through it. And well, we're going to continue. We find ourselves in book two, chapter five. Book two, chapter five. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, whoever is saying thank you, thank you for uh, for uh, listening. It doesn't give me their name. So whoever it is, thank you for listening. I greatly uh, appreciate it. All right. But here we are. Let's see if my voice holds up today. Book two, chapter five. Book two, chapter five of The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Now, Chapter five of book two, to me, is a very, very, very convicting chapter because the emphasis of this chapter is trying to, to rebuke us and remind us of the significance and importance of looking to ourselves, not running around looking at everyone else, not running around looking at everyone else, judging everyone else, figuring out what everyone else is doing, and then telling everyone about everyone else but starting by looking in the mirror, looking to ourselves. So I'm going to just start back at the beginning of this chapter, and uh, I won't try to break it down, but I just want to make sure that for those who may have missed part one, that this will get you all caught up. So here we go. Chapter five, book two, The Imitation of Christ, Thomas Akempis. Here we go. We cannot trust overmuch to ourselves. Because often grace is lacking in us and understanding also. Thomas Akempis begins this chapter by telling us, reminding us, hey, you cannot trust in yourself because you can't trust yourself. You cannot trust in yourself because you should not trust yourself. And the reason you should not trust yourself is because often grace is lacking in us and understanding also. In other words, there are times that inside of us, we can't, we can't trust ourselves because spiritually, we don't have, maybe we don't have the correct spiritual understanding. We're not just in the place we should be spiritually. But sometimes when we are not in the place where we should be spiritually, we're the last ones to realize it. We're the last ones to even see it. When, we, when, when we're looking at a situation completely in an unspiritual way, we're typically the last person to realize we're looking at a situation in an unspiritual way. We will be convinced, no, 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 no. I'm seeing it spiritually. No, I've got this situation under control. When in reality, we don't. So what we have to be reminded over and over and over again is that inside of us is a sinful nature. Inside of us, is a fleshly nature. Inside of us is a heart that's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. We can never forget the reality of sin in us. 
I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care if you you can pat yourself on the back because you've avoided, uh, you know, a certain list of sins. Oh, I've never committed that sin and that sin. Well, great. That's wonderful. But you better realize that still inside of you is weakness and sin and fleshliness that you that should always cause you to pause when it comes to trusting yourself. I, I don't think we should ever trust ourselves. Probably is the best way to approach it, but we, we, we will continue. All right, here we go. There is little light in us, and this we quickly lose by our own negligence. Thomas Akempis says, hey, there's, there's little light in us. There's just a little And typically, we even lose that light because of our own negligence. In other words, we don't do anything to sustain and build and add to that light that we have as Christians, but typically, we even lose that light because of our own negligence. Oftentimes, too, we perceive not how great is our inward blindness, that frequently, we don't even realize how blind we are spiritually inwardly. We're very good at pointing out how blind everyone else is, right? Oh, look at that person over there. They don't have a clue what's going on. They can't see anything. And we're very quick at pointing out everyone else's blindness, but we're not so quick to see our own inward blindness, he goes on to say. Oftentimes, we do evil and excuse it. We have a tendency to excuse the evil that we do And let me, I think this is the biggest thing that we sometimes, we don't even realize we do this. We are doing something fleshly, sinful. We're thinking in an unbiblical way, whatever the case may be. Not only do we excuse it, we justify it almost as if we're the spiritual ones. We we will almost justify what we're doing. Like, I'll just, this is a simple illustration. The illustrations could be far more complex than this, but this is just a simple one. A bunch of people sitting around in a church saying that they're going to pray for people when all they're really doing is spreading information about people and gossiping about people. So not only do they excuse their gossip and slander, they justify it as it's prayer time. Yeah, it's prayer time so that we can all tell everyone about, oh, did you hear that so-and-so? Well, you know, he committed, a he had an affair on his wife and, oh, we need to pray for so-and-so because he's an alcoholic and, oh, we need to pray for that family because their son got arrested and we got to tell everyone, everyone else's business. But hey, it's prayer time. It's, it's prayer time. It's prayer. Or here's a novel idea. You just pray for them. But yeah, yeah, you just pray for them because I, I'm pretty sure that if you pray, God can hear that prayer and God can act. In fact, God already knows the situation even before you tell him the situation. But we feel like, no, 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 we, we got to get, get everyone together in a church and we got to spread all of this information because somehow we tell ourselves we're doing it because we really care about these people and we really want God to intervene. Well, there may be some of that, but to me, all it is is justifying our ability to now spread all of these horrible news and information, embarrassing, shameful information about people to everyone. And I, I think sometimes it's, well, we don't ever stop to think about what we are doing. We are sometimes moved with passion, and we think it's zeal. Sometimes we, we, it's our own fleshly passion 
that's motivating us and moving us, but we'll say it's zeal for the Lord. I, I have zeal for God when really it just may be fleshly passion. We reprehend small things in others and pass over our own great, greater matters. We're good at seeing everyone else's smaller faults, but we overlook our greater ones. Quickly enough, we feel and weigh what we suffer at the hands of others, but we mind not how much others suffer from us. Oh, we are quick to note, to remember, and to complain about every little thing people do to us. We're not so quick to acknowledge and try to avoid all the things we do that hurts others. We're, we're just self-centered. We're self-focused. Narcissism is really the essence of our sinful nature. He who rightly considers his own works will find little cause to judge others. If you will really consider your own works, if you will really consider them, really look to them, you're probably going to find very little to judge others about because you're going to be so preoccupied with all of your shortcomings, with all of your failures, with all of your sin. But we're not very good at considering ourselves. We don't consider our works. We want to be considering everyone else's works. I, I've talked about this a number of times now. And I'm going to mention this again because just the other day I was reading an article and looking at the comments. I'm like, people still, people still don't get it. But the the rise and fall of Mars Hill, the podcast that was one of the number one podcasts in the country, millions of people listen to it. It it details the entire story of Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill Mars Hills Church in Seattle. It is a powerful podcast. It was, I listened to every single episode. They finally concluded the story. There's still some of it I, I would like to talk about the, the last episode because there's just so much there. But every time I listened to it, I was just so, I was so bothered by it, not from the perspective of, oh, look what Mark Driscoll did. Oh, look what they did at Mars Hill. It was more about what can we learn from it? How, how did I make similar mistakes? Or how did other churches make similar, similar mistakes? In other words, instead of people listening to Mars Hill and somehow making it, forcing it to look at ourselves, to look at our churches, our own spiritual life, our own attitudes, to look at Christianity at large, for some people, it was just like, ooh, did you hear what Mark Driscoll did? For others, it was like, oh my Look what we have done. And, and when you read some of the comments under any articles about Mark Driscoll now, it just seems like no one wants to take any time to say, what have we learned about ourselves? It's like, oh, let's continue to attack Mark Driscoll. Now, yes, there's no, no one is excusing everything that happened at Mars Hill. There's no excusing how Mark Driscoll even handled it after everything fell apart. But I, I understand that. The point is, there was plenty in that story for everyone, every church, all of Christianity to look at itself. But instead of looking at ourselves, it seemed more like, oh, it's time to talk about Mark Driscoll again. Well, well, there's very little we can do about Mark Driscoll, but what we can do is look to ourselves and see what we can learn about it. And 
there was plenty there to learn, but, well, we, we could have that discussion, all right? Now, my uh, book continues to fall apart. Pages continue to fall out of my book. Um, and in this con... I don't know why the spam has gotten so bad in the uh, live chat, but it's really starting to, to get on my nerves. But I'm not going to even acknowledge it right now. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Now let's move on. Thomas Kempis, Chapter 5, Book 2. Here we go. The inward Christian prefers to care... Oh, let me read this again. The inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. Now, we got to really think about what Thomas Kempis is trying to say here, okay? Based off everything he has said, this is not some kind of like, hey, self-serving, you know, uh, kind of thing. This has, we have to understand this in a, in a, well, we'll, we'll look at the scripture that they provide here and see if we can figure out what he is saying here. So let me read it again. First, he refers to this as the inward Christian. The inward Christian. That's an interesting phrase. The inward Christian. Are you, we, I think so much of evangelicalism is about an external Christianity. It's about a Christianity and how do we look? What do people think about? There's such, such an external focus, but is there is there the same emphasis on the inward Christian life. What does your Christian life look like inwardly, not externally, but inwardly? What, what, what does it look like there? I think, I think that's something that maybe we overlook. Maybe we don't consider enough. I mean, obviously this chapter is about considering that person inside of you, not the person that you project not the Christianity. I mean, look, I think we all know this. I think, I think, and, and I'm not saying there's any easy way to fix this in the church, but we all show up at church projecting a Christian. But do we show up with the inward Christian matching anything close to the projection that we want everyone to see? We show up, we, you know, to say the right words. Amen. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. God is good. You know, all, all, all the, we throw out every little, little cliche. We show, we, 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 we uh, show up like we're interested in the word of God, like we're interested in the things of God. We, we, we all know what to do. We all know how to play the little game. But what are we inwardly? Now, I know it's not easy. You can't just walk into church and go, how are you doing? Well, to be honest, I'm not doing very good because I'm thinking this and I hate this person and I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that you just walk in and let the N-word just out and everyone's like, whoa. But I think there is a concern that we can just learn to project it and play the part without ever really thinking about what's going on inwardly. So I just like that phrase, the N-word Christian. Now, he says that the inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. And they have Matthew 16, 26 here. So I'm going to look at Matthew 16. Now, sometimes their use of scripture here. All right, now this, is, this is an interesting verse they have here. Matthew 16, 26. For what is, for what is a man profited? If he shall gain the whole world 
and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Now, I think this is what Thomas Akempis is saying. Maybe you can figure it out now. So let me read it again. The inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. Now, think of it this way. The inward Christian prefers to focus on himself before he focuses on all of these other external responsibilities. We, we care about so many things. We've got this to do. We've got, we got to go to work. We got to do this. We got to take care of this. We got this responsibility. We got, we got all of these things that we need to do. But what about caring for us inwardly, our own spiritual lives? How much time do you give for your own inward spiritual development, growth, repentance, conviction, meditation? Most of our life is spent focusing on these, caring for these things external to ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we should neglect our responsibility. I'm not saying... It's not about neglecting responsibility. It's about making the responsibility of your inward spiritual life as important or more important than all of the external things you spend so much time thinking about. We spend a lot of time texting. We spend a lot of time reading. We, we doing reading. You know, just things that are, have nothing to do with our own inward spiritual life. We just we just do a. We, I mean, watching things listening to things, doing, going to work, taking care of this responsibility. And some of those things we have to do, some of the, these things we choose to do, some of the things we just may do for fun. But usually if you take the responsibility, the things we have to do, the things we want to do, if you just take all of that, by the end of the day, how much time and thought was given to our inward spiritual life? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world? You, you run around with all of these responsibilities and you gain the whole world. Great. And you lose your own soul. What does it profit you if, you're, if everything externally seems to be moving and developing, but inwardly your spiritual life is unraveling, falling apart, or at least not advancing, it's moving backwards? He continues, so I'm going to read this again. The inward Christian, again, I love that phrase, prefers the care of himself before all other cares. And he who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. One of the ways that you know you are attending unto yourself is that you're silent concerning other people. If you're really attending to yourself, you're not preoccupied about telling everyone else about everyone else. You're not worried to go, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? In fact, you'll be so preoccupied with yourself that what you could say is, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something about me, okay? Uh, here's what's going on with me. He who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. I, I just, I think this is interesting in many cases. 
I've said this multiple times. Within Christianity, I know this even from being on Christian radio. If you turn on the microphone and you talk about what the world is doing, right? Abortion, homosexuality, whatever the case may be. You talk about the world is doing. You can preach loud. You can be blunt. You can be condemning. You can either, you can even be condescending. You can be mean and no rare. Only the people who really get upset are people in the world. People in the church will think, amen. You may even get, You may even get an applause. You can be on Christian radio and you can mock liberal politicians and call them names and people will be like, amen, amen, amen. You can be a jerk about everything outside the church. But if you dare turn on the microphone and turn the attention to what's going on inside the church, and then you're a little mean, you're a little blunt about what we're doing as Christians. (laughs) Time up. No, 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 no. Don't you dare talk about us. You talk about them. There's a general, that's just a general way it works within Christianity. Condemn the world all day. Do not condemn us. Condemn the world. Don't turn any rebuke or exhortation to the church. And I found I have found that to be very interesting within Christianity. You you can talk about what the world is doing. Don't talk about what the church is doing. And there's that's just the way it tends to work. And then if that's the way the church works, well then it, then that carries on into the pew. If it, it kind of if it happens from the pulpit, then it happens in the pew. Where guess what? We are so worried about everyone else that we don't attend to ourselves. But if we were really more looking at ourselves, then we would, we would, it would be easy for us to keep silent concerning others. So this, I think this has a church application, but I think it has a personal application. Whose sin are you more concerned with? My sin or your sin? Whose sin are you more concerned with? The sin of your spouse or your sin? The sin of your children or your sin? The sin of your neighbor or your sin? The sin of your friends or your sin? The sin of your acquaintances or your sin? The sin of strangers or your sin? He who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. You will never be thus inwardly devout unless you be silent concerning other men's matters. And look especially to yourself. According to Thomas Akempis, you will never be inwardly devout. Not external. He's not talking about an external appearance of being devout. But if you want to be truly devout inwardly, truly devoted to the things of God inwardly, if you truly want to be devout inwardly, um, you must be silent concerning other men's matters and look especially to yourself. If you want to truly be devout inwardly, you got to stop talking about everyone else. Now, this doesn't mean we got we got to make sure we we put this in because Thomas Akempis writes and very like he just deals with 
he throws out a statement. He doesn't bother to, to, to add all the layers and the nuances to it. He just writes the statement. It's your job to meditate on a statement to make sure that there's a balance here. doesn't mean that there's never a time to rebuke other sin or to confront someone about their It's not saying that. It's just saying that the focus has to always be on ourselves and our sin, our shortcomings, our failures, our, our needs spiritually. That's where it always needs to be. But it's like, I, I think this is what happens. I think we reach a certain level of spirituality. I think we, I think there's a certain level of spirituality we get to. I don't I don't know what where it is for for each person, but there's just a certain level. Like okay, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Maybe I read my Bible every once in a while. I listen to a sermon every once in a while. There's just a certain level of spirituality, and once we reach that, it's almost like there's a a a, a switch that gets flipped inside of us and immediately it becomes about everyone else's failure, everyone else's unspirituality, everyone else's ungodliness. It's like we reach a certain level and we're like, we're good, I'm good. So there's nothing more to focus on here. I got to focus on everyone else. And I know we, we would all say, well, I never do that. I never do that. I never do that. Well, hopefully when you say you never do that, you're being honest with yourself. But I think we have a tendency to do it probably more than we like. It's like, for example, I always find it interesting. Sometimes when you talk to Christians, they will either try to say, I never watch television. I never, I never spend that much time on my phone. They will, they will try to say what they never do. But then it'll become obvious that every time they talk, they're not talking about Bible reading or sermons. They talk about, oh, wait, television or something they saw on YouTube or something they saw on Facebook. It's like, well, wait a minute. For someone who never does what you claim you never do, how come whenever you talk about it, it, we're very bad at sometimes being able to acknowledge what we actually do. It's like we we convince ourselves. So we reach a certain level of spirituality and we'll look, well, I, 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 I I don't focus on other people, but... What, what that's what we we're sometimes blinded by our own actions. All right, now I'm going to read this whole paragraph again because there's just one little part where I think this is the only paragraph we're going to make it. We're never going to make it through this chapter, but that's okay. Here we go. Let's work on this again. The inward Christian, just I, I love that phrase, the inward Christian, just maybe a phrase you want to meditate on and a phrase you may want to think about. What does it mean to be an inward Christian, right? The inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. In other words, instead of he he cares about what's going on inside of him spiritually before all of the external cares and responsibilities. And he who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. You will never be thus inwardly devout unless you be silent concerning other men's matters. And look especially to yourself. Now, here's the last sentence. If you attend wholly unto yourself and God, if you will attend wholly unto yourself and God, you will be little moved with what you see abroad. If you will be so focused on yourself and on God, you will not, you'll be very little, it'll be, it's going to be, you're not going to be as moved and as bothered by what you see abroad, well, by what you see going on in the world. You'll be less, less moved because you'll be so preoccupied with self. 
Now, again, this doesn't mean we we say, well, I don't care about what's going on in the world. No, it's just you're going to always you're going to whatever you see going on in the world. And you talk about how bad the world is before you start talking about how bad the world is. Maybe you take a few minutes to talk about how bad you are. Now, now this this is a constant. Now, he's got some scriptures here. We're going to look up here in a minute. But this has been a constant issue, I think, with that Christianity constantly falls into. Christianity is good at condemning the world. We'll condemn the liberals. We condemn the homosexuals. We condemn. We condemn everything going on in the world, and then we we're not so quick to look at what's going on in the church. Divorce, broken marriages, pornography. I mean, you just go on and on and on with everything going on in the church. Why why are we so quick to be bothered by what's going on in the world and not seem to be near as bothered about what's going on in the church? Because you. Because we, as, as pastors, you're, you're trained to go, go after the world because if you tick the people off in the church, you won't have a job. So don't condemn anything going on in the church. Condemn everything going on in the world. And it's like throwing meat to dogs. It's like, oh, that's what they want. That's what, give them what they want. But you're not supposed to be giving the people what they want. You got to give them what they need. And the need needs to be, we focus on us. Let's focus what's going on inside the church. Let's focus on what's going on inside our lives. Let's focus on what's going on inside our own homes before we worry about everyone else's failures. Let me read it again. If you attend wholly unto yourself and God, you will be little moved with what you see abroad. And the two scriptures they give here is first one is 1 Corinthians 4, 3. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not my own self, All right? So this is the idea of Paul saying he's not moved or bothered by other people's judgment. Now, Thomas Akempis is using that because yes, he's, he's in a sense focused on God's judgment on him. He doesn't even in a sense judge his own self. He's, he's more focused on God's judgment. That seems to be the idea. Um, yeah. Verse four, just to verify that. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Paul was more focused on God's judgment, not everyone else's judgment. He wasn't bothered or worried about everyone else. All right, okay. I think maybe that works. Then Galatians 1.10. Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. In other words, he's not focusing on trying to please other people. He's not worried about other people's judgment, not worried about pleasing other people. The focus is on his relationship with God. Now, it doesn't mean Paul doesn't write these harsh letters rebuking others, but his rebuke tends to be focused on what? The church, not the world. That, that's typically where, I mean, all the New Testament letters are letters written to churches rebuking them, not rebuking what's going on in the world. I'm going to read the whole paragraph one last time. The inward Christian prefers the care of himself before all other cares. And he who diligently attends unto himself easily keeps silence concerning others. 
You will never be thus inwardly devout unless you be silent concerning other men's matters and look especially to yourself. If you attend wholly unto yourself and God, you will be little moved with what you see abroad. You'll be little moved by other people's judgments. You'll be little moved by trying to please other people because your focus is going to be on your own spiritual life and on God. All right, we'll have to stop there. That concludes another paragraph in, again, was chapter five. Now, the book calls it Consideration of Oneself. I've called, I've, I've referred to this as what? Looking at oneself. Um, looking at ourselves, I think is what I call this. Uh, consideration of Oneself is the name of the chapter. Book two of The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Kempis. We will continue with that soon, maybe, maybe this afternoon, maybe maybe Tuesday. I don't know. We'll see. All right. You can email me your thoughts about the book. Um, I, I did receive uh, an email recently from someone uh, saying how the first part of this chapter was greatly convicting to them, and they shared some of their uh, struggles they've had in their spiritual life. And um, yeah, I think uh, if this chapter gets us all to look at our own selves um, then I, I think it's important. All right, I think it's important. I, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do something Thomas Akempis doesn't do in the book. I think I'm gonna add a message where we don't even really talk about what's in the book. We're gonna talk about. Uh, I think I think we're gonna add something to this because now I'm thinking that there's a, a possible something missing, um, and it may be because of Thomas Akempis's uh, theology that it's missing. But I think there's something that definitely is needed. Uh, before this chapter is over. So I think we'll add it maybe at the end of the chapter. We'll see. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. We'll be back on the air here shortly. God bless.